you know, definitely, as you said at yeah. the beginning, you know, people think they're going to be into property and there's going to be no problems. They're kidding themselves. Um, they're just better quality problems, to be honest. You're listening to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard. Here's your host, Tabitha Bright. Hello and welcome to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard where I get to speak to property investors from around Australia about their investing journey. My name's Tabitha Bright and I'm the head of coaching here at Positive Real Estate, where we help people build wealth through property. With over 8,000 clients across Australia and New Zealand, there are some incredible stories to tell, which hopefully make your investing journey a little bit easier and will inspire you along the way. So my guests today are the fabulous Donna and Brad, long-term clients of Positive Real Estate. And today we touch on love and money because, um, you know, there's some interesting clashes and discussions and compromises to be made when you get two people that come together with very different stories around money. Who's a saver? Who's a spender? You know, what are your rules around money? And these guys have had to navigate coming from very different polar places, the North and the South Pole are both in very different places, but they've managed to do it successfully and sustain a fantastic relationship. So there's some awesome lessons in that and um, and what it's taken them to acquire 10 properties. Uh, you know, how many years have they been going? What's come up for them? So super exciting. So enjoy this conversation with Donna and Brad. So Donna, Brad, um, welcome to the podcast. So good to have you here. Hey, Tabitha. Thank you very much. It's so great to be here. And yeah, <laughs> definitely excited to be here. So we've had a bit of a chat um, prior to us pressing the record button, and it's it's really interesting. Like um, I've probably known of you and been around you, Donna. I mean, you're one. You guys are um, Donna, Brad. You've you've been part of Positive Real Estate for how long now? Since two thousand and seven or eight. Yeah. So wow. either, either seven or eight. Yeah. So you're uh, a foundation members essentially, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a polite way of saying we're old. <laughs> not, a, not at all, not at all. Um, I'm right there with you, by the way. Um, so uh, so that's interesting because it was funny when we went through the questions and we were talking, it's interesting. Like I know so much about you from your portfolio perspective, um, but some of the stories that we started discussing, and I wish I'd been pressing record, um, there's so much that I don't know about you because um, you guys are up in New South Wales. I'm down here in Vic and uh, we don't get to hang out and, you know, have a glass of wine. So this is kind of like a pseudo, um, it's like speed dating in a way, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you five questions. And I'm going to see how much I can get to know about you. Um, so um, thank you very much because uh, I know you're going to um, share some stuff that's uh, personal. You can talk about your portfolio. I'm going to dig a bit around um, your backgrounds and some of the lessons you've learned. And, uh, and I think we'll go from there. So I think we'll start, if that's okay with you, at the beginning. So I've just discovered, Donna, that you're not actually Australian. You've got... Um, <laughs> <laughs> which, I, which I can't believe, can you tell from my accent that I'm not an Aussie? <laughs> Man, but does it, 
But the thing is, you're very well-spoken, but there are a few well-spoken Australians. I'm Kiwi, and um, my mum was big on elocution, and she uh, she is forever in my ear that I sound more and more Australian. She's like, you know, everything, like WH is a whiff sound and all of that kind of stuff. So I just thought maybe you'd had um, elocution lessons like I had to. <laughs> um, but you I'll, have born- to t- I'll have to tell my mum that. <laughs> uh, so you were born in the UK and um, Brad you're a uh, tri- what we would call a true blue Aussie you grew up in Queensland I believe correct yes born in Brisbane grew up in Townsville ah okay and um, so then how did you guys meet uh, so I came to Australia back in 2002 after I traveled kind of a bit around the world yep and um we actually met in 2005 at a personal development event, one oh. of those kind of, you know, weekend, long weekend events, yeah. randomly, um, <laughs> back in February 2005. Literally bumped into each other in the lunch line getting salad. Oh, it romance blossomed. Indeed. <laughs> and at the time, Brad, Brad, Brad lived in that? Canberra. At the oh. time, Brad lived in Canberra and I was in Sydney. So for the first year, we kind of had a long, you know, a long distance, a lot of phone call, very long phone call conversations and moved up in 2006 and the rest is history. We just celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. And um, and so obviously, Donna, you never left. You you stuck around here um, in Australia, which is fantastic for us. And, um, And so what happened next then? How did, how did you get into property? How did you, yeah, where did your journey take you? So you've done some self-development. Yeah. Um, so maybe if I kind of take a step back a little bit and tell you, I guess, a little bit maybe about my upbringing. Please. Um, so I would say, yeah, so I was born in the UK near, near a place called Bath, for people, any listeners oh, yeah. that might know where that is. Yep. And my, I would, I would classify my family as kind of middle class. My dad was a carpenter. Yep. Um, very handy in everything. Uh, and my mum was a kind of an exec, exec assistant before she had my sister and I, and then actually never went back to work after she had us. Mm. And my, particularly my dad, his philosophy around money was you don't buy anything if you can't pay cash for it. So very much grew up with a savings mentality wow. and they never had a mortgage. Um, they never had credit cards. So, you know, it was very much, you know, my very first car, we paid cash for it. Um, So I guess I kind of grew up with that. Absolutely. You have to save things. So I say four things. So I actually did buy my first property and I did get a mortgage um, (laughs) when I was in London. So I bought, um, I guess, what we would call our principal place of residence. It was a flat, uh, what we would call a unit in Australia, uh, in London. And I guess my before I joined PRE and kind of went on my personal development journey I just thought you buy property to live in it's that's all you really do I would say in the UK I either didn't really associate with people or it just didn't seem to be the thing that is here where people want to own investment properties in Australia so it just wasn't even a consideration set and I think for me before I did some personal development and before I met Brad it was too risky in my perspective. Like, why would you, right. why would you buy properties when you don't really know anything about it? Way too risky. 
and yeah. you're going to have to get into debt. And I saw all debt is bad debt. So I was very anti-debt, you know, pay my credit card off every single month. You know, I didn't, I didn't know the difference between good and bad debt, right? Interesting. It's, yeah. Can I just add a little bit of contrast to that? So that's the, the mindset and the philosophy around money and how to live that Donna grew up with. She meets me. My parents, very similar, both um, you know, successful small business operators. Yep. Um, cash flow was, when I, certainly as a teenager, when I was growing up, cash flow for mum and dad was never an issue. They would be bringing home thousands every week. And we had a, a very, um, a lifestyle that was filled with toys, boats, cars, things like that. Um, they'd always bought and owned their own places. They'd never invested in anything outside the share market. So no, no investment properties, but lots and lots of investment assets in the sort of share market area uh, and lots and lots of lifestyle toys, as I said, the boats and stuff. So, of course, I grow up seeing that, yeah. not having the income, but using debt as a way of being able to replicate that kind of lifestyle. So Donna meets me in 2005 and we have some conversations around you know, how do you how do you sort of tend to pay down debt? You know, do you use credit cards? And I'm so, yeah, of course I use credit cards. I use them you know, very successfully. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a lot of learnings um, to go through before I got to the place where we are now. Um, yeah. And yeah, and no doubt throughout the podcast, it'll um, it'll sort of come out some of those lessons that I've had and, to learn. Yeah. You, had, you had a spender mentality and Very I had a saver much. mentality. So we won't talk about relationship coaching here, but you know, I, think, <laughs> I think that's that's part no, of it. Anyone is, for anyone who is listening as a couple, it is really important to understand. Because, 100%. You know, it's, I possibly wouldn't have gone on this journey without him because Brad had had so much education around personal development and investing he just wasn't doing it whereas yeah. I had the kind of mindset of well don't spend money on any of those sorts of stuff right um but I guess for me where it all, all changed was um doing a lot of personal development so my first kind of journey into personal development was with Tony Robbins yep. and it was it was going to his event called Wealth Mastery which was all about your mindset around money and wealth Mm -hmm. uh, that's where I saw Jason speak for the first time <laughs> yeah. in those days um, yeah. and again if it hadn't been for Brad I probably may not have done anything with it but Brad was like well let's just meet up with Jason let's you know try to understand yeah. because what's really ironic is whilst my parents had that mindset about you know don't buy anything debt back all yeah. debt's bad yeah they actually have their retirement fully funded through property so my my mum inherited both commercial and residential property from her father. And ah. that is what has been, you know, it, it, it paid for a lot of our lifestyle and has paid for their retirement as they've got yeah. older. Yeah. But I remember my dad saying to me so many times, particularly with residential property, don't touch it, Donna. It's more hassle than it's worth. Because I think people think when they get into property there's no problems there's no challenges it's going to be smooth sailing awesome. there's always <laughs> exactly and there's always you know tenant issues or 
yep. stuff that needs to be repaired Normal and things problems. like that. Yep. And because my dad didn't want to spend money and all the properties were local to where we lived, oh. he would go in and repair everything himself, as you can imagine. Oh, and, and used to even collect thing. rent and stuff himself. But anyway, wow. so anyway, so then I went to, you know, I went to see Jason and decided that I knew then, I guess, having the, the mindset stuff that I did, that I couldn't save myself to wealth. So yes, my bank account was going up, but you wealthy. can't save yourself to wealth. So I knew that I needed to do yep. some stuff. Yep. I think in hindsight, now seeing my parents with property, I chose property as my vehicle. Brad yep. was probably at the time more interested in shares, but I like to be able yep. to physically see yep. something. I'm a, you know, I'm a <laughs> complete property convert. Yep. Um, and I knew that, you know, I guess, again, you know, when you start doing personal development, you can fast track your learning by a good coach, by yep. learning from people who have been there. And so I was 100%. like, well, this guy seems to know what he's talking about. He's got a company. Yep. Let's sign up. So we went, went and met with Jason and we signed up. So as yep. I said, one of kind of your founding founding clients, and then actually, funnily enough, Brad was the first person to buy mm. a property um, after we we joined. And PRE was very diff- different back then. It was, yeah. you know, you were, you know, teaching us how to do subdivisions and yeah. you, you <laughs> name it. And we were and we were putting in we were putting in offer, you know, thirty offers a week just to get yeah. that process. Yeah, it was so, very labor intensive. Mm. Yeah, but it but it was also good in teaching you the mindset. I remember when I was yeah. putting in these offers, it scared me because yeah. I'm like. They haven't even signed it. They haven't even accepted it. Like there's nothing, but that scared me doing that. Yeah. One, because you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. Um, but two, just it was the thought of then letting go of all this money. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you maybe want to talk about the first property you bought. Yeah, sure. So um, at the time, as I mentioned before, I, I was very good at accumulating debt. Um, I think I had about thirty or $40,000 worth of credit card debt for yep. things that either I didn't have any longer or, um, or that had been experiences. And so what really resonated with me on one of the um, investor nights was yep. Jason had a, a, and Sam had a, um, a particular deal that was in casinos, so regional yep. New South Wales, yep. and it was valued at 135 from memory but it was a discount at 115 (laughs) um so i had to have a chat to mum and dad they stumped up for the deposit uh, and i got into this little two-bedroom apartment in regional new south wales for 115,000. within a very short space of time i was able to finance out enough to pay off my credit card debt i then held the property and you know some of the things that we've learnt over the years is, yep. as Donna's will sort of get to a bit later, is patience. Yeah. Um, I probably yep. held on for a little longer than I should have, but yep. still ended up selling that unit for a hundred and oh, I think it was 60. just under one hundred and sixty thousand. Yep. Um, so I'd financed some money out already, plus then yeah. sold it for one hundred and sixty. So you know, forty five thousand more than what I'd originally bought That's it awesome. for. Yep. And so that was a really great experience. And one of the, one of the lessons that I learned yeah. is very much around focus. And, and it sort of came up just before when dad's, uh, when Donna's dad said to her, stay away from residential property because it's full of issues. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is if that's where you choose to sort of have your focus. 
If you focus on all the problems of of investing in anything, you'll probably never get started. But if you focus on your outcome and stay the course, very often you'll yeah. get exactly what you so want. So important, isn't it? And and I think, um, I mean, there's a whole heap of lessons in the stuff that we've just been going through, um, you know, right down to um, investing, if we start back at the beginning, investing in your mindset. So you guys yeah. have done a whole heap of stuff around self-development. And, you know, self-development's often tarred with a bit of a foo-foo brush. People sort of go, oh, you know, that American rah-rah stuff. I've done Anthony Robbins as well. And, and like anything, you choose what you take from it, right? You don't have to buy everything that somebody is promoting or selling, but they're, but why Anthony Robbins is one of the best coaches in the world is because he actually delivers fantastic information and you pick and choose what resonates for you. But if you're not expanding your view of the world, then you're just going to be going around in this very small paddock, aren't you? And I think, yeah. and I think you guys, <laughs> I love the bit about the marriage counseling because because as coaches, we can't step into a space that we're not qualified, right? None of us are qualified marriage counsellors. But do we see, once again, commonalities and patterns? Because money is essentially energy, and it's all around emotion. And what we believe, what our story is around money, directly um, um impacts what results we get from money and you two coming together with quite different ideas around money um, is a fantastic foundation for some conflict right Mm -hmm. so how did you guys overcome what I imagine must have had been some conflict I'll just dwell on that really quickly then we'll skip to the next I mean you know I'll I'll let you respond to some things but I think um, (laughs) we I guess we had different different strategies as well. So I, I I'll be honest and say I was the one Thanks. that really started us. I know we just spoke about Brad bought yeah. his first property, but I yeah. was the one that kind of accumulated most of the properties yeah. because I had I had you know I had a higher income. Yeah. And my my strategy was around debt reduction, huh. but also then you know capital growth. So I got into kind of yeah. good blue chip areas. Yeah. And what we spoke about was that I had the income to be able to borrow the money. Yeah. Whereas, so Brad would then take care of things like our living expenses. So he paid for all the rent and things like that. So that all my income could go into buying the properties. Um, And, and I think, I don't know, because I guess maybe it was my, my salary that was doing that. Yeah. To to a large degree, I think Brad trusted me. Yeah. knew that I was really responsible around money and let let me make the decisions around the property. Yeah. I would always kind of keep you up to date. You're like, if you, you know, if you think it's good, let's go for it. Yeah. Um, so I'd say there was, you know, there was a partnership in that aspect and that you, you know, you kind of took care of the expenses. And again, yeah. goes back to one Which of our lessons, I think, yeah. <laughs> because we had bought our first yeah. prop, first two properties individually in our names, having a financial advisor who understands huh. property and what you're yeah. trying to achieve long-term yeah. and particularly if you want to accumulate, you know, a number of them, yeah. he said straight away, now that you've bought them in your individual names, as soon as you buy them together, you'll accumulate each other's debt when yeah. it comes to borrowing. Yeah. And so it made much more sense. And that if we had a combined income, actually it was going to slow us down versus just mine. 
right. because of his debt history and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And so we, you know, bought everything in my name to start with. Yeah. Um, which again was off, you know, off the base of, uh, you know, the, the financial advisor. Yeah. So that's, an, you know, another lesson about how important it is to have the right team around you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, um, and the thing about finance is it changes all the time. Uh, it's never, it's fluid with the markets. It, it's never set in stone. I mean, we're about to see some changes coming through now as the market heats up. You will have um, mm. seen some stuff in the, um, you know, media. Um, and so, <clears throat> okay, so some good lessons there. So have a, have a good team, quality team, because you need your experts around you. Um, and, um, and you guys have, I guess, part of your strategy is divide and conquer. Um, which has worked really well for you guys. Yeah. Can I add one other thing? Please, please. So key to, I think, all of that was the the willingness to engage in some, at times, quite uh, uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. The only way that we were able to do that is because we invested so heavily both in time as well as... um, financially into our mindset and learning because Mm. I remember some of the early conversations I mean Donna made it sound like it was just a very you know I'll do this you you take care of that I was going to get to it Um, and and (laughs) what underlay that was there were for many many years fears that sort of I didn't communicate around what if it all goes pear-shaped? All these properties are in your name. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to want to go to court. It'll be, you take your stuff, I'll take my stuff. Mm. But it was having enough conversations to really generate that level of trust that had we not had trust in each other, this whole process would never have turned out the way it did. And and don't get us wrong, there were many you know, arguments and, you know, when I found out about, you know, kind of Brad's debt um, and, you know, and there was a lot of, I don't know, me, me probably pushing you on stuff Mm. and you pulling me on other stuff. And, um, you know, I think it was, I I don't know. I mean, I, you know, Tab will know this. I've got probably the most extensive organized spreadsheet with everything. (laughs) It's fabulous. Great dates (laughs) when tenants are and everything. Um, and track our you know and track that every month the first of the month I track you know I track all my spending yeah I think you know you once you kind of let go and were prepared to learn some of that yeah you know I would say the transformation in Brad and his mindset around money um has been phenomenal but it's been a journey right yeah yeah oh always always I mean I remember when I first met my husband I was coming off the back. I got married really young. I might have told the story to some of you. Um, I think I got married at around 18 or something crazy to, you know, when teenagers usually, I'll, I'll clarify, usually I won't, uh, I am generalizing, make those kind of decisions. They're not often um, long lasting. And this wasn't long lasting. Um, and I was licking my wounds and um, and I met Vin and Vin introduced me to, self-development his mum had given him a whole lot of books the magic of thinking big I can still remember it was green and and the pages I think we've still got it somewhere and um and I remember getting quite like the feeling inside my chest I got really anxious and um resistant to it 
because I knew I was going to have to step into a space. I wasn't emotionally mature enough to go, you know, I'm going to step into something I'm uncomfortable in. I was still in that space of just trying to keep everything the same and controlled and safe. And I think as soon as you can learn to step into being uncomfortable, there's magic in being uncomfortable, right? You you learn stuff, you grow, you build self-esteem, you build confidence. But the flip side of that is it is uncomfortable and you are vulnerable. Yeah. Would you guys agree? Yeah. A- absolutely. And yeah. um, you know, without without giving a Tony Robbins lesson, you know, one <laughs> of what he calls the six human needs is certainty. And huh. the majority of yeah. the population is driven by certainty, which is absolutely. exactly what you're talking about. And I'll yep. confess that is absolutely my driving force. Yeah. Um, however, the way that I was able to progress in my property journey was through education. Because yep. when yeah. you're educated, you've got people around you and yep. you start to take the steps, you yep. get certainty because you know what you're doing. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got certainty in the uncertainty, if that makes yeah. sense, because I now yeah. know what to look for, you know, yeah. if I don't, who to call up to ask questions on. Yeah. And so that's what's so valuable, having someone like PRE to go on this journey with, yeah. is that when it does get a little bit scary, a lot of that fear is driven by not knowing and stepping to that unknown will tap yeah. into the team around you. You'll learn that stuff. And so then you'll understand when, a, you know, there's an opportunity what the fundamentals are to look at, right? Oh, sorry, Brad, you go. Sorry, I was just going to say one one thing off the back of that. I've I've been reading some um, material recently on the differences between risk and fear. So just going to go there. (laughs) Great lines. (laughs) What, um, What the sort of proposition was, was that risk is generally quite mathematical it's you know there is a probability of of a result occurring or there is a uh, probability or possibility of a consequence occurring whereas fear is that sometimes rational sometimes irrational uh, response to assessing risk and often human beings are not really well equipped without having gone through a heap of different experiences and learning yeah um how to assess risk so sometimes we think because something because we have fear around something therefore the risk must be a lot higher yeah and if there's no fear no emotional response therefore it mustn't be that risky so if we look at investing it's very easy to assume to assume that not investing is not risky because we've got no fear around it but what we miss out on are those opportunities that um, can massively progress our wealth or our our life experiences versus looking at something and feeling a sense of of fear because we don't understand something and therefore going, okay, that must mean it's more risky. And quite often fear and risk actually have no real um, uh, Correlation. correlation, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's 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 risk. It's if you're fearful investing, I'd say it's risky not to be. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's the flip side, and and yeah. there is a um an interesting technique where you take the opposing view, um and have to argue that, and I, that can be really valuable um and a little bit uncomfortable once again, because um 
So let's talk a little bit about your properties because you guys have actually amassed a fantastic portfolio. You have around 10 properties here in Australia, plus you've still got your property in the UK, don't you, Donna? Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been rented uh, for what, 19, 20 years or something. And I got to live in it for 18 months. Oh. <laughs> so it was a very, which again, there's a lesson there, right? I bought yeah. it because I fell in love with it. I probably did huh. pay slightly over because huh. I didn't understand it was I was an emotional buyer yeah I bought, I bought it um my dream place I lived in it for 18 months and now it looks nothing like it used used to because it's been tenanted for years and stuff you know yeah. but with the interest rates so low I just make you know I make thousands on it every in rent every every year that's that, amazing. that literally has funded yeah. our holidays to the UK I never spend Australian money when I go back to Europe. I, I spend money that's in my UK bank account for my property. Oh, fantastic. And also, I mean, that's time, isn't it? Because you've had it for, you know, that 18, 20, 20 years. 21 years, yeah. Yeah. Years. Yeah. I've never, I've, there's a saying that we have at Positive Real Estate. It is, we are yet to meet somebody that's held property for over 20 years that doesn't like their property. <laughs> it's, yeah. it kind of it just, you know, no matter what mistake you think you've made, um, and look, I'm sure somebody will come up with some random thing that will will buck what I'm saying, but there's always an anomaly. But for, you've, gi- you've given me hope, Tab. You've given me oh. hope on Gladstone. Just oh. hold on. <laughs> Let's talk about Gladstone then, because there was a strategy when you bought Gladstone, um, wasn't there? So um, for those of you that aren't familiar with the Gladstone market, um, it's heavily linked to mining. It's got lots of other industries. It's not just a mining town, um, but it can um, be impacted heavily by what's happening in mining. And the Gladstone market was um, the darling of investors for a short period of time when the mining boom was on. And um, you guys went in and purchased something in Gladstone. What did you actually purchase? Uh, three bedroom. I'm not sure it's three or four. Three bedroom townhouse. Okay. That's, how well, that's how well I know my every all the details about my property. You just, as long as the numbers work, you buy them. <laughs> and um and what was your strategy when you bought that property yeah so i mean i you know as i said at the beginning my mine was about yeah. kind of debt reduction and trying to accumulate yeah um good properties you know yep. fairly fairly quickly yep um and i reached a stage back in those days when financing was not as tight as it is 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 now yep. where my serviceability was suffering um because a lot of the properties I had bought before Gladstone were blue chip and slightly negatively geared because the yeah. interest rates, I think the interest rate when I bought my first property was like 8%. Yeah. Um, and so Gladstone yeah. was extremely, extremely positively geared. I think it was, it was probably about a 10% yield. Um, right. Whereas, you know, most people on the call will know, you know, getting 4% is pretty good four or 5%. Yeah. Um, and so it was going to help with my serviceability to be able to buy the next deal. So it was a, it was extremely, I guess, tactical, tactical move to enable me to get back onto my strategy of accumulating blue, blue chip properties. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, um, there's nothing wrong with that as a strategy, but when we're factoring in the risk, what we have to understand is those markets, um, you know, they have the high highs and the low lows. Yeah. So you experience the high high. And then unfortunately you experience the corresponding low low. Um, and that's going to take some time to 
correct itself. How long has it been um, flat since it came in off the high? Because basically that market um, was oversupplied. Um, the values and the rents dropped. Uh, and now it's been in a recovery kind of phase for quite a number yeah. of years. So how many years do you think? Um, yeah, so I, I guess I bought it off the plan in 2011, I think, completed mm. 2013. Yeah. Um, and then probably pretty much from kind of 14, 15, it really came off. Yeah. Um, so maybe five years. Five years. And now it's, yeah. you know, it started to, yeah. you know, to, to, to climb back up. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And I think that's the thing about, yeah. you know, about this property journey is not every decision you make is going to be the best decision. No. We learn as we go through. And I know there's, you know, there's people at PRE that yep. are bought in mining towns. Would I do that again? No. Yep. Yep. Um, I didn't, I didn't fully understand probably the highs and the lows at the time. Yeah. Just assume it's always going to be high. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, one of my key lessons and, yep. you know, tips for people is yep. understand the market, understand where you are on the property clock yep. and buy in good locations where yeah. there is solid yep. infrastructure, you're close to employment, et cetera, et cetera, 100%. all the things that you teach. Because yep. if I now had the knowledge that I had then, I yep. wouldn't have bought in that sort of location, right? Yep, absolutely. And it's interesting, um, over the years, our coaching has changed as we've you know, honed our systems and I, you know, I'd like to say get better at it. Yeah, and one of the things, um, one of the things that we do now with all of our clients is we talk about um, the upside. So, you know, what are the benefits of buying a certain property? And then what are the trade-offs? Because there is no perfect property, right? There's yeah. always going to be a trade-off. Um, if it's a blue chip property, your trade-off is your yield. If it's a mining town, your trade-off is the volatility. And I mean, we're not in mining towns um, at all now. Um, we very seldom do regional even. Um, and Brad, I'm like you, I've bought regional. Um, I've held, it, held my regional for a very long time, which has meant that um, it has delivered a wonderful result. But if I had my time again, I'd only buy, um, I'd only buy um, blue chip where I could afford yeah. to, to buy it and hold it. And I think the wonderful thing about this market is because interest rates are, however long it lasts, so low, it's enabled people to really get into those bluer chip areas yeah. where before when we were looking at those regional areas and the mining towns like you were saying Donna it was about cash flow and being able to support our portfolios because I remember we used to leave people like you know really big buffers when interest rates were high because the cost of holding um, was one of the risk factors right whereas yeah. for those people that are investing in the last sort of three to five years that hasn't really been a factor yeah. Um, and all the markets have different cycles. Um, but I think, um, you know, you guys have learned some really important stuff, but with that, your mindset has grown. I would imagine like you're much better at worrying about the stuff that needs to be worried about and not worrying about the small bumps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, definitely, as you said at yeah. the beginning, you know, people think they're going to get into property and there's going to be no problems. They're <laughs> kidding themselves. Um, they're just better quality problems, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think your point on people going in with their eyes wide open about the upsides and the downsides helps so you, important. again, from your mindset perspective, manage it when it might be vacant for a week or, you know, in COVID yeah. where 
you know, people couldn't afford to pay. And, you know, our, our, yeah. we've got two properties down in Melbourne and the yeah. rents have dropped loads. But I yeah. know it's going to come back. Yeah. Interest rates are low, so yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. And then, yeah. you know, while the, while the rental in Melbourne hasn't gone back up, my rents in, in other areas, in New South Wales and in, in Brisbane, yeah. have gone through the roof that are making up for that. So I think, you know, another key lesson is around diversifying your portfolio, particularly yeah. from a location perspective, because if you fully understand the property clock, when it's booming in Brisbane, which it will be, yeah. um, it will be, you know, it will be down in Sydney, for example. So yeah. if you've got everything in one area, um, you're not going to get the same level of growth and diversity. And uh, there's so many people that, I mean, it's funny, Brad and I don't really talk about our property portfolio that much with people. Uh, mm -hmm. Believe it or not, I only told my parents that I had the portfolio that I had probably about two years ago because I, they, <laughs> I knew they, they would out? worry. They would freak out and they would worry, right? Um, even though Brad used to make comments about Donna buys properties <laughs> like other people buy shoes, but... Um, <laughs> you, you'd feel like that. Hashtag truth. <laughs> watching the block and we saw... Uh, no, it wasn't the block. It was a, a UK um, show on luxury homes. Oh, and there was a walk-in wardrobe that was literally just lined with shoes and I went oh actually someone has more shoes than you do we don't really talk about it that much with friends unless we know they're on yeah. kind of the yeah. same journey and mindset and actually there's there's you know there's three three of my friends that are in in PRE and have bought properties yeah um but there's a lot of people that we speak to and there's someone that Brad works with at the moment in the army who does have a few properties but he's trying to get into the market as a certain amount of money and so think, thinks about oh I could buy you know in a regional town and we're going don't um and these are the reasons why because he wanted a house versus an apartment or yeah. well, like, well you could buy for the money you're talking about you could buy a townhouse in Brisbane that's going to see the growth yeah. a lot more than a, a house in a regional town um yeah. but it's you know i think you know, i think a, a lesson that i learned very early on in pre is so many people who get in who aren't educated find their own backyard yeah. because they don't know very anything true. else and they can see it at the very beginning i didn't see one of the properties i bought i looked at the numbers i looked at the you know the the location and all the statistics around it never even saw the property in fact i've, I've never seen gladstone right. understandably because of where it's based but there's a lot of them that I'd never seen. I think I've pretty much seen all of them now yeah. um, because it was about the, num the numbers working and taking that emotion yeah. out of it. Um, and just quickly to loop back to, um, you, you mentioned before about the education and the mindset. Mm. Sometimes those two combine in quite unusual ways. And I'll use this property that we now have here in Mossman mm. um, as I think a perfect example. This came up as a off the plan, uh, sorry, off market. market opportunity. Donna got a text message and looked at it and went, a three to four bedroom townhouse in Mossman, there's no way we could afford that. It just happened to be in the height of the COVID um, restrictions last year. And there was a lot of concern with the tenant not wanting people to come in. Donna was lucky enough to be able to get a viewing, walked in, looked around and went, this is definitely 
not my, not forever, my home. forever home and was almost going to walk out when the real estate agent made a comment that appealed to Donna's investor mindset. And she went, oh, there's a deal in this. And as a result, we bought this place basically November, December last year. We settled in January and we yep. finally got in in May, did a bit of a renovation and we're comfortably sitting on, I would say, unrealized gains of multiple six figures just because Donna yeah, took say, action. Half, half a million. Yeah. So you know, roughly half a mil of increased equity just because Donna saw the deal in this place. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Which is, I think, you know, I think that's the thing is if you've never been yeah. on this journey and, and there's, you know, I, we start sometimes kick ourselves about Gladstone. Yeah. I'm like, it is that whole journey that you learn through the process and it was absolutely, you know, we absolutely love living here now. Yeah. But when I first walked in, because it yeah. had been tenanted for 25 years, the same carpet, it was, you know, not great. Yeah. Um, and I then got talking to him and just absolutely saw the deal. And I was struggling to buy a principal place of residence because I didn't want to pay over the odds for it because huh. of what we had learned. And so every time we saw somewhere and it would go for stupid prices, like I'm not, I'm not participating. Yeah. And so then being able to get this off market and I was the only one that had my finance sorted as well. So I was ah, able to do it. So preparation, preparation yeah, so is pre the key. Pre preparation, you know, understanding what you can and, and can't yep. borrow, understanding one of the key things is around adding value. So not only yep. I would say I got it at a good discount at the time. Yeah. Yep. I knew that there was add value in the reno. Yep. Then I knew you could ride the market in a, you know, a discretionary suburb like Mossman. So yep. it was kind of a win, win, win. Um, you know, I, th I think I actually sent, sent the details to Sam to get his view. And he was like, if you don't buy it, Donna, I will. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably still cursing that you bought it. <laughs> I don't, we wouldn't have got to be able to buy this if we yep. hadn't gone right. through the journey that we have with PRE. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's been, oh, it's been one course. hell of a great journey, I would say. Well, I mean, I, oh. you know, what I would have, a lot, a lot of the deposit that went into this place yeah. was from equity out of the, you know, the other, the other deals or where I was, I was very good at using my offset account, yeah. to, you know, to, to be yep. reducing the mortgage and then just keep saving and saving in that to be able to buy this deal. Aww. And I can comfortably say that I put in over six figures <laughs> because I had saved that money. Oh. So talk about a transformation. There Congratulations. it is. Congratulations. And the first place that we bought in our, in both our names. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's a little bit of romance. Uh, I get romantic about, <laughs> about property purchases. So I guess I've got one last question for you guys. If you could go back to your younger selves, it's that classic podcast question. What advice would you give your younger selves? Or if that's hard, what advice would you give somebody that's starting out and, um, Fearful. Either of those questions. Find me some answers. So the two things that I would absolutely say is yep. start early, whether that's investing in your mindset, Perfect. getting into yep. property, but start early and just get in. Don't let fear yep. or anything else stop you. So start yep. early and take action. Can you hold that? Oh, is that both yours? Yep. One or two? Start early, start so early on, and take on, action. Yep. On that point, I would absolutely say get started. There is no better time than now. I will 
two key lessons or stories around that. When I bought my place in London, the boyfriend at the time, he had been looking for three years to buy somewhere. And every time he saw somewhere, it's like, oh, no, I I might be paying too much or the market might go down. So he just kept looking. I went and bought mine. He then was like, oh, I've got to buy one. So he bought one actually in the same complex as me, paid 50,000 more than I paid for mine and probably paid at least £100,000 more than he should have done had he got in the market three years earlier. Earlier. And right now I've got a friend in Sydney who's been looking for herself either as a rental or as an investment or as a PPR for three and a half years, and she still hasn't got in. And every single, like, what she was looking at to pay for a two-bedder, she now can't even get a one-bedder for and so wow. she'll never now be able to afford to get in. And it was all based off of fear of, is this the right property? Is this the ideal property? What's going to happen to the market? Yeah. Um, and she just yep. didn't take There's action. So, you know, you can always look back and go, oh, if only I'd bought then. If you can afford to get in, get in. just do it now. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, very much linked to that, probably learning and educating yourself again as early as is possible yeah and then my other advice maybe is just stay the course when you go through the bumps in the road 100% stay the course whether that's absolutely um because you you know you have to wait for finance to change or because you have to wait to save more buffer or you just stay with it and don't meddle the amount of times I know you will have had conversations with people because we're in the consolidation phase now yeah and it gets boring because yep. you just go get a hobby <laughs> you can't you can't the thrill of buying is gone um, and we yeah. don't intend you know to buy anymore yep. it's it's now about how do we pull them up the most yield out of it or do a renovation at the right time yeah, or pay down some just debt yeah pay, pay debt play my split I get excited every month when I update my spreadsheet and see how much debt I've paid down that's my <laughs> excitement now so just stay stay, yeah. stay the course and yeah when you are fearful or have got questions or celebrate your wins reach out to your coaches and your team yeah um because they, they've been there and done it yeah can guide you through it Oh, sage advice, my friends, sage advice. I think one of the biggest things that we see that stuffs people up is exactly what you mentioned. They either sit on the sidelines because fear gets the better of them and they're worried about timing a market that's impossible to time. Yeah. Uh, or um, they shoot themselves in the foot and they sell when, um, you know, all property goes through cycles. Property yeah. will go backwards, rents will drop, rents will go up, property climbs again. And holding that course, I think, is some of the best advice that I could give. And I'm glad that you've mentioned it to any investor out there because people get the wobbles at about that sort of five to seven year mark. Yeah. And they start second guessing their purchases and they start wanting to sell and, and really just hold hundred percent hold um i do i've got a perfect example was a property that i bought that probably didn't really go anywhere for six or seven years yep and now it's doubled in value in less than when did i get in 2011 so in 10 years it's now you know it's now doubled in value but didn't do anything for five or six i could have sold it at that six or seven year and made nothing just holding it that extra couple of years it's now doubled in value absolutely 
Absolutely. And um, I think, you know, all of us that have been in the property market for a decent amount of time will have those stories. And it's just, if you haven't been there and you haven't experienced it, it's really hard to comprehend that a property can go from, you know, I think I've, um, I've got some stuff in regional actually that um, was, I bought for two townhouses. I bought them for $185,000 each um, in 2008, let's say. Uh, they've eked up 20, 30K over that time. And then in the last two years, um, I just got sales appraisals on them. And one came in at 480 and one came in at 510. Um, and I think that will have changed already. And that's literally happened. That that big jump has happened probably in the last six months. Yeah. It's yeah. nuts. But it's yeah. really hard to um, appreciate that that can happen when you haven't experienced it because it seems so ludicrous that something can do that, but then and yeah. then do Agreed. nothing for so long. Agree. And I yeah. think if you know if you come into property for a uh to become a millionaire overnight then it you either need to change your mindset or not yep. invest because it isn't yep. a get get rich quick scheme no. um you do need to you need to buy, buy and hold i mean you know i i my even my dad kicks himself their home that i grew up in they sold for about two hundred thousand pounds literally within two or three years i saw it get sold for half a million Wow. And they often yeah. go, why did we sell it? And right now it's probably worth, I don't know, a million well, English pounds. Why did ouch. they sell it? As Jason would say, buy well, never sell. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's our perfect final comment for, for the end of today. Just so buy. Just buy. <laughs> and then hold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, congratulations, guys, on, um, you know, all your journey from your personal stuff right through to the amazing portfolio you've accumulated and I know Gladstone will come right for you and <laughs> like the other stuff has come right for me in regional um so just hold that and um thank you so much for sharing um so much of your story today really appreciate it guys and hopefully we'll catch up for that glass of vino soon Definitely. You're, Lovely to chat with you. You're welcome. And thanks for inviting us. <laughs> so excited to have you. Thanks, guys. Bye Thank for now. you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Property Investor Tales. Remember to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops. As you can guess, I love hearing people's property investor tales. So if you'd like to share yours, then please get in touch with me via email at propertyinvestortales at positivementor.com.au. We would also love your feedback and I would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, you can watch all of these podcasts over on YouTube at Positive Mentor or at positivementor.com.au. Until then, take care, happy investing, and bye for now.